What's going on everybody? Year two, episode 24 of Pat's Interference and it's time to get down to business after a short hiatus. Patrick and I are back breaking down the Bulls, breaking down the Heisman, breaking down Lane Kiffin leaving. This episode's got so much, so much material. We're so ready. Get buckled up because it's going to be a long one. Pat's Interference coming your way. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all you listeners listening to Pat's Interference. We've got a great episode, as you just heard, a little bit of a break, and now we are back uh, right in the thick of the playoff season, or I should say the bowl season, playoffs coming in a couple days here. Uh, And we're excited about this episode. It's going to be a great episode. So you're joining us, listening, of course, to Pat's Interference. I'm Patrick Brickman. He's Patrick Norwood. And as we approach the new year, 2017, my bud, what's good? It's great, man. Everything's great. Got home from a nice little trip in good old Franklin, Tennessee. Nice little nice little extended vacation. High point basketball starting conference play this week and next week. It's good, man. Life is good. Life is good. How are you doing? I'm glad I'm glad you had a good time over Christmas. I too did. I got uh, more days off than I have maybe ever had at this job uh, I, I was I was gone all week I went to Dothan where my parents live my wife sure. met us there later after her work right and Circle yeah we City. spent some great time Circle City yeah represent and it, it was good um and, and now I'm back I'm working you're working and that's why we I don't own a lot this is the reason we've been so late on this I actually don't own a laptop I've got a desktop so if I leave my house which I didn't think about this before I left I can't podcast. I right. have to podcast from this very – I should find the latitude and longitude at this exact spot that I sit. I'm not mobile like you. I See, I've got two laptops, and yet we still don't podcast very much. Uh, okay, so <laughs> everybody, we, we've got a lot to get into today. We've obviously been gone a while. Um, we're going to go over some things, the Heisman Awards, Army-Navy game, things of that nature later. We're going to start – going to change up the format a little bit. Going to start with the national – sort of uh, the present national, shall we say. Uh, recent past and present. Recent past being, oh, the last week or so. Then we'll move on to the Alabama section. Then we'll kind of go more broad again at the end of the episode. So, Brick, let's just dive right into it, man. Uh, Brick, there's a lot of bowls. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of bowls. There's a lot. Like, And you know how much I love college football. I'm getting a little college football weary, my friend. Well, here's the thing. There's been a lot of talk about players wanting to play, players not wanting to play in these bowls and all these bowls, and it's it. I, I, there are, too, in my opinion, there's too many bowls. Now there's no there's no way to fix this. This is the bed we've made, and we're sleeping in it because they're not going to get rid of bowls. It's a ton of money. No, these schools can't. make a ton of money. Right. These sponsors make a ton of money. Kraft makes a ton of money off of the Fight Hunger Bowl. Right. Dollar General makes a ton of money off of the Dollar General you're, Bowl. You're going in on the Dollar General Bowl tonight. Well, I love the I love the Dollar General Bowl champion, Troy Trojans. You know I grew up 45 minutes away from them. But no, um, when you got 50 bowls, and you've got 5 and 7 teams going to bowls, and even if they win, they're 6 and 7 right these aren't these are glorified exhibition games this right. isn't so what we're going to get into a minute the the big argument that's kind of persisted and persisted while we took our slight hiatus over christmas was uh Leonard Fournette Christian McCaffrey not wanting to play in their bowls get ready for the NFL draft i think the Oregon running back Freeman was one or was it him yeah. uh 
He and there was a wide receiver as well, I believe. I, I can't no, 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 no. It was the back. Baylor running back. Baylor running, running back. That's back. what it was. It's, and it's, then uh, the wide receiver declared for the draft the day after the game. After yes. they got, um, you know, whatever. Um, but anyway, so you got all the, you know, you've got uh, so many. It's just another way to sell us stuff. That's what it is. And they they do the redeeming thing about so many bowls to me is they do at least treat the players well. When that goes, they treat away, the players well, and the community gets treated well too. Yes, that's something They're, I will it's say. At least being handled internally, each individual game, uh, very well. The, the the players get the little benefits. Um, it's like the one time anything is allowed to be handed to them without someone you know sniffing around the right. corner at them. Um, and yet, some of but, them still can't help themselves but to steal from Belk. <laughs> you saw that? That's what was awful. it? Sprinkle? What an idiot! So, so Sprinkle, the tight end, Jeremy Sprinkle. We're going off topic here, but he he. Got suspended for tonight's game because he was shoplifting from Belk. When they comped him $450. And each player gets a $450 Belk card, and he was still... it's Dude, it's about the thrill. And it wasn't like he stole, like, a polo. Which, honestly, like, I'm not even sure... Like, they probably would have just been like, hey, put it back. Or, you know, keep it, but come on, seriously. No, he stole, like, multiple underwear, shirts. He stole a couple of wallets. Like, what an idiot. Anyway, sorry, that was a little off book there. No, no, you're right, though. It's it's That's that's hilarious at the same time. Jeremy Sprinkle representing the SEC Strong. Um, but I guess we'll just kind of, okay, yeah, Patrick and Patrick both think that there's too many bowls, but there's a redeeming quality to it. All right, but that kind of segues into that debate. The two big names, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, not playing in their bowls because um, they want to focus on the NFL draft. And there's, you know, the two sides of the argument are that's their decision to make and they're quitting on their team. How do you, how do you lean I, in, see, in, this, I, in this? I've been back and forth on this, and I, I want to say, and this will probably not be a shocker to anyone that listens to our podcast heavily. Um, I, I will say this. I understand both sides of the argument a lot more than I usually do. Usually I'm very stubborn and set in my ways. This one I kind of go back and forth on. Um, for the case of both of these players, I, I think it makes it makes a lot of sense uh, to sit out the game. I get it. I, I, I do. Um, however, if I am, let's say I'm a junior tight end playing for Stanford, you know, or a senior tight end, somebody who's about to leave, and this is going to be my last football game ever, you have now taken away a possible, I mean, that's a, especially for LSU and Leonard Fournette, that is a massive part of their offense. And now part of our offense is leaving. The main part of our offense is leaving because you want to save yourself for your NFL career. Well, your NFL career doesn't help me, you know, and it's just, it goes against the team mentality that I love in college football. I feel like one of the reasons that Brick, you and I both dislike the NFL so much is because it's such a me, me, me mentality. And with college, you don't get that. And I feel like this is a way of sort of getting into that. And it also lends the discussion to where does it stop? Your team loses three games. Why do you continue to play college football? There, the, the When this is going to blow up and become an issue is when a player that's going to the playoffs does it. I think it will eventually happen. They will still say... You know what? I could. St- I got two games left potentially where I could ruin my NFL career. And everybody looked at Smith from uh, Notre Dame last year. He played in the game. 
They played Ohio State. He was going to be a top five pick. He shreds his knee, falls in the second round. Might not actually play. It was a reach to take him in the second round considering how bad his tear was. Um, And that's millions of dollars right there. That's putting money away for your kids. That's, That's a lot of that's a lot of cash that people kind of take for granted when you're talking about an athlete, but you can't, especially when you're young and you're in college. They're never and the NFL. I'll, I I'll just I'm right where Nick Saban was on. I'm gonna be honest. I listened to his interview, and I went, "That's you, you couldn't have said it more." What Nick Saban said when asked about it was, "Um, you guys." He was talking to the media. All you wanted was the playoff. You all talked about the playoff. Then you got the playoff. And all you talk about is the playoff. Like, that's the only thing that's important. That the other games aren't important. The playoff is the only thing that matters. And that's fine. But then who are we to tell these people that they have to stick around for games that don't matter? And like I said... I would tell my players that if they play well in a national game like this, it will help them. But it's up to them, as players, as adults, to weigh that against the, you know, potential of hurting yourself. And you have to just kind of weigh it. And that's that's what I was saying earlier is I get that argument. I do. I 100% get it, but I just feel like you're you're if I'm an NFL scout and obviously this isn't what NFL scouts look at cuz I'm looking at it through this beautiful color book world uh where they care about friendship and teamwork and commitment and all that. If I'm an NFL scout, this shows me you're not committed to being a part of a team. You're looking, and that's you're part look, of their decision. That's honestly part of that decision too. You're gonna look at what's well, what's best for me instead of what's best for the team. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely something got away, and it's it hasn't affected me yet. I will say that I would be I would be you know stung if Reuben Foster goes. I, uh, you know, I really listen. I love this team, but I got to think about my future. That would stink. Um, yeah. but. You know, at the same time, I you know I I'm not going to get really upset if a player doesn't play in the Music City Bowl. If Alabama's in the Music City Bowl, and and you brought up a good point, where does it stop? The moment your team loses their second game and they're not going to play for a national championship, are you out? Should Leonard Fournette have said he's out after they lost to Auburn this year? Should McCaffrey have said he was out after what game five when they had lost three or whatever it was? Um, so. I guess you can draw a line in the sand in your mind, but I can't expect other players to. My line in the sand is, all right, well, if you're playing in a New Year's Six Bowl, draw the line there. But some players may not feel – Notre Dame was in a New Year's Six Bowl last year. Yeah. That was that was against Ohio State. So I still – you know, I got to – I can't force a player to play. I can't tell them you have to play. You played your regular season. It's the postseason now. This is all you. Dalvin Cook. If you don't want to be here, we want players that want to play and stuff like that. Um, I'm not going to get outraged at any of the players. This isn't Blake Barnett leaving after game four to me. Right. I mean, and I get that, but I mean, Dalvin Cook stank. Dalvin, well, he's that's that's his competitive spirit. Everybody's different. Everybody's different. And if he if he you know goes and dislocates his ankle or tears his knee to shreds, he might have wished he had thought otherwise. Yeah. So um, you never know. It's a risk-reward kind of thing. But another thing I want to throw in there, um, you know, I cover Florida. I have to cover the Florida Gators, and I was listening to a Jim McElwain interview, and he brought up a good point. Uh, He brought up Dante Fowler, 
Um, they played. Mm. They played in the Birmingham Bowl that year. That was Florida's way down year. They played in the Birmingham Bowl. Uh, Dante Fowler was being talked about as like a you know late first rounder, uh, fringe first round talent, maybe high second round. He goes out and gets five sacks in that game. Now he's a top three pick. Yeah. He goes number three to the Jags instead of number twenty nine to whoever you know second round tenth pick or something like that. Good, good um, point by big old uh, big old Jimbo there. That was that was Jim McElwain actually. Yeah, no, I just. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I like messing with their names. It's funny. To gotcha, me. gotcha. And Christian Ponder's another one. He played in the Senior Bowl and go, went to the. He wasn't good in the NFL, but he went in the first round because of how impressive he was in the Senior Bowl. There will be players that don't play in the Senior Bowl because James Carpenter was the same way to bring it to an Alabama focal yes, point. Yes, exactly. James played Carpenter in the Senior the Bowl and was I mean, not. Not bad at all, but definitely wasn't. I mean, James Carpenter is still an NFL starter. Yeah, isn't he still on the Seahawks? Yes. That's I mean, a solid career. I mean, that what yeah. he's been there eight years now. Uh, less than that. Okay, okay, maybe six, but still, six years to start in the NFL is above the regular shelf life. And running back, and running back is a completely different. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, the shelf life for a running back is. Now, if you're first round, probably six, seven, eight years um, or so, maybe maybe nine. But anyway, running backs are so short and so disposable. And if McCaffrey hurts his ankle, it's not going to be hard for a team to go, well, huh, that's an easy choice. We're just going to go Royce Freeman. We're just going to go Dalvin Cook. We're just, you know, well, one's got a bum ankle. The other one doesn't. They both run. Right. So um, it's a it's a. Tricky. It's a it's it's a hardy conversation to have college football, especially in it's, the middle of. All I, these I just don't feel goals. like there's a right or wrong answer. Honestly, it's just it's one of those things. It's just yeah. is. it just is. That's let's let it die. Point. Let's move on to the bowls. We've mentioned there's too many, so we're just going to kind of touch on the highlights so far. Uh, I want to start off with with a little interesting story that I feel like's been buried a little bit. This time last year, Houston smothers Florida State. Yes. 34 to 10 loss to San Diego State this bowl season. Brick. We should mention the Donnell Pumphrey in that game. Very underrated player. All-time leading rusher in NCAA now. Pretty cool. 5-9. Oh, well. Here, here. Uh Fall from Grace. I mean, what this what was a team at the beginning of the season that had so much of a head of steam now just kind of pittered out and died? And I mean, just in a just a very—it's kind of like the wily e. coyote falling off the cliff. It is, you know. That's a good, that's a good visual. Um, I mean, it, what happened? Is it fixable? And what are we looking at as far as Applewhite coming into the head coaching role? This is a great example of how much momentum and inside the locker room feeling actually matters. Uh, you know. Look at the last two years and what they did. Uh, last year, they started off, nobody knew, what, you know, they got this new sexy head coach in Tom Herman, which people didn't know if he was going to be good or not, but he did great things under Urban Meyer and won a national championship. Um, he goes to the school, nobody expects anything. They start beating some good teams, getting some big wins. They haven't lost yet. They're winning, they're winning, they're winning. They drop one, they win. Then they beat FSU. And they're the big thing. They are the team... And that group of five, not the power five, but the other G5, 
uh, conference that could potentially win a national championship. Sky high. We got the new coach. The new coach is talking like he's going to stay here forever, and he loves it in Houston. Houston fans legitimately thought Tom Herman was there for the long haul. And we just beat FSU by a, a convincing margin. Then you come in the next year. Now you're no longer the the cute little underdog. Now you have expectations to live up to. You come right. out, you beat Oklahoma. Uh-oh. They beat okay, that was the Ted. They beat Oklahoma. They're for real. Then they come out and they drop a game they shouldn't have dropped. And that was like so deflating to cuz in in that to be a G5 team and lose a game, you're done. Yeah. You have to be undefeated to be in the playoffs. So yes. from that moment, their expectation, gone. Now, yep. is Herman going to leave? They drop another game because now it's spiraling. Then Herman does leave. He's not even there for the ball game, and they're just done. They're deflated. Yep. It's ins- it, it's very interesting to me how that happens and how that works. But, you know, it's it's the same thing as... It happens in all sports. Look at the look at the Carolina Panthers this year. Stuff like that. It happens all the time. And it's yeah. interesting, but I think Houston Oh, and the other thing to throw in there is they didn't get their big twelve bid. No. They that didn't. Was, and that's that was that's something that I feel like is gonna when when the off season comes, when the dust settles, whoever wins this national championship, because whoever wins it, it's gonna be a hell of a story. You know, I yeah. mean, any of the four teams, Clemson making the comeback, Alabama going back-to-back for the second time in five years. Uh, Urban or, two and three years, or Peterson. Right, or you know, Peterson finally himself. getting one and really sort of garnering the respect he deserves finally, maybe. Uh, you know, I think once all that dust settles, that Big 12 story is going to creep back into the headlines and be like, hey, remember this? Remember how bad this is for the Big 12? And I think that Houston's going to be one of the teams that really suffers from it. And we may already so I, be seeing I think it, that like was you mentioned. Essentially, a death blow to Houston. Let's Gen- move on. Genuinely, uh, just a just a great couple of games here. You know, regardless of whether or not you think they should be in the bowl game, which I think you and I have a similar opinion about Mississippi State. Um, the endings to uh, the let's see, the Zaxby's Bowl, Army thirty-eight, North Texas thirty-one. Army going for it on fourth and goal. That was pretty. That was pretty badass. Uh, then uh, Navy losing to Louisiana Tech, forty-eight forty-five. That game was back and forth. That was fun. My dad and I watched that. That's one of the few games, like right. one of those early games, I watched. And I, I loved it. I loved it. And then Mississippi State blocks a field goal to win it. Who really cares? Like the reverse said, South Alabama game. Right. Sorry, I just wanted to remind everybody that South Alabama beat Mississippi State. Right. But Dan Mullen's still being considered for coaching jobs left and right. Why? Thank you. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. But his name got thrown in the hat for the Oregon job. Oh, that would have been awful. Dan Mullen is. But I, I've been on record as saying, like, as a human, as a thing, as a face, as a as an institution, I think he's probably my least favorite coach. He's not great. He's not great. Uh. Anyway, those were some great games. Uh, but let's talk about just for a little bit. I mean, just that Dollar General Bowl. Oh my goodness! The Troy Trojans brick. Uh, please show them the respect they deserve. That's the Dollar General Bowl champion, Troy Trojans. I'm just, I'm just saying, early bid for your sweetheart next year. <laughs> Troy is always my sweetheart because I grew up in Dothan, which is a solid 40, 45 minute drive away. You go to Troy, you're on the road, you're out of Troy. It's it's beautiful. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Troy, it's sweet. There's a lot to do in Troy. 
There's, um, you know, Troy's a school that I could have easily gone to, and I didn't because I wanted to be a part of something big. Right, and then you joined Pat's Interference. You, you, it's taken off from there. Yes, that's exactly what I was. You know, I wanted to go to a team with the football thing. Yeah, and Troy wasn't that team. No, but they were not. It was now cool to are. see Troy get a bowl win, yeah. albeit over Ohio. But hey, they're you know. your Dollar General champion. They are your Dollar General bolts. What do you think they got a gift card to Dollar General? Like, whoopee! I can get some dirty clothes. And... You know, there's a lot of them over there. there there's got to be like a dollar million generals. Dollar Generals over by Troy's campus. You're in North Carolina now, right? Are there a ton of Dollar Generals? They're everywhere here. Brick, I could run to one right now and be back before you got finished talking about the Belk Bowl. <laughs> I got tweeted by Belk Bowl today. It was great. I got tweeted by them last week. We made it. We made it. If, you, Homie, if you're on major? Twitter and you don't follow the Belk Bowl Twitter account, you're making a mistake. It's like Belk was probably surprised that they got a bowl. They, Belk was like, oh, we we got a bowl? Are you yeah. saying we just we just put in our bid as a joke and they gave it to us? Um, All right. Who doesn't do anything around here? Hey, Jeremy. I don't know why his name is Jeremy. No, it's Jeremy, perfect. You're you're in charge of the Twitter account, but they don't. What they don't know is that Jeremy is is is, you know. He's an <laughs> he's an introverted comedian. He's an introvert. He's a genius, is what I'll say. Jeremy that runs the Belk Bowl. It, it's just it's very funny. It's it's a it's a uh, Twitter account that doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah. It's a great. It, um, it knows what it is. It's very it aware it of is. itself. We're the Belk Bowl Twitter handle. Like, what are we going to do? But it's that, not very corporate. But that it's bowl not the game whole... tonight, other than the sprinkle incident earlier, uh, what the hell, Arkansas? <laughs> You're up 24 nothing at half. You give up 35 unanswered points and lose. Why don't turn the ball over? They hold oh, on to the ball. Oh, they win, but oh, they couldn't. They just could Just run the clock out. Arkansas, do what you've been doing all season. Just run the ball. And since we're not doing like sound off today, I'll just throw this out there: that people are going to use this as a way to uh, the SEC to dead. talk about the SEC. Yeah, I, using arbitrary bowl games to discuss a conference as a whole is stupid. There are so many non-conference games that we could have talked about. Don't make the bowl games your definitive thing. All right, just saying that. Don't go to work tomorrow and go, hey. uh... You you done seen Arkansas lost? Uh, what about Texas A and M? Guess they're still the SEC least. Yep. You know, don't do don't be that guy. Yeah. Uh, some good actual interesting bowl games coming up. Uh, other than you know like, you know the 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 fight hunger bowl. Sure. Um, we actually have some New Year's Six bowls and playoff bowls coming up and. You know, we want to talk about. We actually want to talk about those, so this should be good. So, what do you? So, how do you want to do this? You want to do a pick 'em? You want to? You want to get into a little, a little roundabout discussion? We'll do pick 'em, quick discussion about each one. Not twenty minutes on the Sugar Bowl, but not two seconds on the Sugar Bowl. How about that? Here we go, Auburn, Oklahoma. You're not gonna like it. I pick Oklahoma, but I low key think Auburn has a shot. Most people are angry that Auburn got a backdoor bid, and they I did. Think, they kind of I think backed their way into shot, a bowl. And I'll say this, too, and I'm not going to say this too often. Auburn, I, I'm kind of, I'm pulling for Auburn a little bit. Now, Ooh, let me I'm explain. Not. If you haven't seen this video of Joe Mixon, 
Oh, well, yeah, I can't. You need to go watch guy. it. And if you've ever loved a woman, your mom, your grandma, a girlfriend, wife, sister, whatever, you watch that video and you don't want that guy to get broken half by some big old Auburn linebacker or lineman, there's something wrong with you. I'd love to see Auburn just, and I don't want any late hit or anything, just a good, clean, hard helmet to the sternum tackle. And end his career. Look, you said um, it, not me. I said it. I said what we were all thinking. Or maybe you were thinking. It's or I was thinking. It's absolutely These are the despicable. mysteries. I think Oklahoma is going to win this by 10. I'll say, I'll go, you know what? This seems like it's going to be one of those weird Auburn games. I'll go 45-34. Yeah, see, that that's what I'm... I don't hate Auburn in this game for the sole instance of I can't stress to you how bad that Oklahoma defense is. Yes. They can make anyone look good on offense. So Auburn's yes. been bad on offense, but the huge, the huge uh, lapse in defense from I mean the game that sticks out to me last year was the uh, Tennessee Oklahoma game mm-hmm. when that defense just stood tall in that last quarter, it, it, day and night. Day and Day night. And night. They've been bad. They gave up a lot of yards to a lot of not super great teams. So I still think Auburn does. Auburn makes this more respectable than most people thought when they saw the bowl game originally. Let's go down you know, to the, the disrespected bowl, bowl as I'm calling it. The disrespected bowl, the Rose Bowl. Both these teams oh. feel like they've been disrespected a little bit this season, Brick. Mm-hmm. USC a little bit less, but they still feel that way. USC and Penn State. Who you got in this one? I'm taking USC. See, I'm going to take Penn State. I'll always take the guy that's pissed off. Um, I really like what USC's put together. I love their quarterback. Like, I didn't know hey, much about him when people were talking him a about him. Weeks ago, and I, I called BS, and you were right. Yeah, yeah. I like. I just like the moxie that they've shown, um, sure. and I like their quarterback and what he's been able to do. Um, Penn State's been a great story. Um, I'm not saying they're going to do what Iowa did last year and get slaughtered by Stanford, but. Um, that was real talk, baby. Yeah, that was, you know, I think this will be maybe the most interesting of these bowls. I do think that this will be the closest. I'm only picking USC by a hair, maybe a 28-24 kind of game. Um, that's about it. But, you know, I like I like the emergence of this Darnold kid. I hey, think Darnold. that... Uh... You know, I, I see, like I said, I like the guy that's pissed off. I think um, James Franklin, while I don't really like him as a person, I think he's done some great things with Penn State since the midway point of the season. Um, Why don't you like him as a person? I don't know super much about him. If you, just go read the Vanderbilt stuff. All right. There's, there's that. that. There's that cover-up, and then he gets hired by Penn State, which what are you doing? Do you know this story? Am I gonna, are we going to have story time right now? If you want, it's your podcast. Here we go. Vanderbilt players get accused of rape. It gets covered up by the head coach, James Franklin. Right when all of it's sort of coming to a head, who hires James Franklin? None other than the people that should not be oh, hiring yeah, someone okay. who covers yeah. up a rape. I remember that. I remember this whole discussion a couple years back. Like who? Like if you could name one team that should not be hiring a coach that's accused of covering up a rape. Baylor, Penn State, that's about it. Maybe Stanford at this point. I mean, it's awful. It's awful. Not only that, there are the multiple times that he ruthlessly hit on his uh, recruits' moms 
his assistant coach's <laughs> wives. I mean, he's just he's awful. What? He's awful. He went on a radio show that? one day in Nashville. I'll try and find the quote and send it to you. But it said something about they were asking him who's going to hire his defensive coordinator, and he said some just juco quote about how oh well you know here at Vanderbilt we really like hiring uh, the assistant coaches with the hottest wives. That is, I'm not exaggerating a little bit. This is kind of a strange dude. That's a great way of putting it, Brick. If you mean asshole by strange dude, yeah, that's perfect. Uh, let's let's stop talking about him. I, I've got Penn State yeah. by three. I'll say 27-24. Western uh, Michigan versus Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin's got it. I just... But I want to row the boat, man. I'm not rowing the boat with you today. I want to row the boat, Brick. I'm not. I've. I'm not. I'm. I'll paddle the boat, but I'm. I'm not rowing the boat. You know. I still you know how much Wisconsin I love wins. random quotes like that that make no sense. Yeah, I love that with my entire heart. Because it, like, where do you row a boat in Western Michigan? Where? The Finger Lakes. Sure. Maybe. You might, that's Eastern Michigan, right? You, you row it for like ten minutes across the creek. The creek. The creek. If you're in Troy, uh, I, I, God, I want Western to win this so bad. They're not going to. Nah, it's Wisconsin's. I've their got defenses. Wis- I'm going to take. Very, I'm going to take good. Wisconsin. I'll say. I'll say this is a low scoring game. I'll go seventeen ten. Um, yeah, it will. I think it could be low scoring. Wisconsin's again. The, if if Alabama has been the best defense the last two years combined, Wisconsin's probably been two, yeah. if not or Florida or Michigan, but they're up there with those probably, four teams. Probably Florida's second. I mean, they're up there with them. So that that's you know, Wisconsin still continues to be underrated, and they just they they were a team that had the talent, had the coaching, just didn't win the big one. Had right. they won the big one, we'd be talking about a different Wisconsin team. Um, the Orange Bowl, the bowl that uh, I have to extensively cover for work. Sure. FSU versus Michigan. Dalvin Cook, Jimbo, and the boys. Dalvin Cook, Jimbo, and the boys. You have to throw in Frenchie Francois now, but I don't. This is the one that I'm sorry to the, the my people here in Panama City. I don't see FSU pulling it out. I don't either. I think, like I said, going back to my, you you take the guy who's pissed off in the fight. You think Michigan's not a little salty that they're not in the playoff? They don't have someone to prove. I, I they, see, I, and I see Harbaugh. If this game gets out of hand, I see Harbaugh running up the score. FSU leads the nation in sacks, which is good. Their defense is fine now. It was terrible. It was atrocious. Now it's fine. I say fine because their secondary is still soft. They get picks on occasion when they're clicking, but they're soft. Um, the good news is with, with Michigan's passing offense doesn't wow you. Michigan's offense this year kind of reminds me of like the 2011 Alabama National Championship offense. It gets by by just uh, being consistent and executing. Yeah. Um, which FSU doesn't has not done super well against teams that just solidly execute. Remember the North Carolina game this season? Mm-hmm. That they just exec- out executed them down the field like ten times for scores. Yeah. Um. So I got Florida State losing. I still think they put up some points because Dalvin's last game he's gonna he's going they're going to use him on the outside and hit the edges. But I still find it as like a thirty-eight 
35 kind of 35 I'm going to go 21 kind of game. I'll go 45-24. All right. I can't super be mad at that. I, I think I think I really do think Harbaugh is going to try and run up the score. Take yeah, that with a grain of salt. No, he wants those recruits. I, this I, is I this just, is this is the kind of bowl game that's about recruiting. Yes, I'm gonna be honest. Some of these bowl games, like LSU Louisville, that we're about to talk about, but especially FSU Michigan, because those are two of the top five best recruiting tools. This is a, this is Harbaugh can win over recruits by destroying FSU. Yes, I agree. On signing day, he can he that he's, he's going to try and force. Force a perspective on a trend that may or may not be there based on a final score of a football game. Think Alabama LSU game. Well, not L. That's a bad. That's a regular season game. Alabama Ohio State a couple years back. That kind of recruiting battle happening on the field. Yeah. Um, the last bowl, pretty intriguing, and I, I, this is what I'm teetering on. LSU Louisville and I believe the Citrus Bowl. I'm gonna take LSU here, man. I am too, actually. I I think Geis is really starting to find his feet, and that is not good for the rest of the SEC. Oh, this Geis is like when when Todd Gurley went down, and they just went to Nick Chubb. Yeah, this is the same thing. And before yeah, that, Geis is and before stud. that, when Noshawn Marino went down, and who did they give the ball to? Gurley. There we go. Um. Yeah, this is. I mean, Mark Geis Ingram is goes down gonna... in 2010. Who does Alabama give the ball to? You know. Wait, say that again. Mark Ingram goes down in 2010. Who does Alabama give the ball to? Kenneth Darby. No. What? <laughs> Just kidding. Dear God. <laughs> Sean Williams. You want to throw a little Sean Williams in there? <sighs> Hawaii Bowl was great, too. Sorry, I just remember Sean Williams running all over Hawaii two years in a row for no reason. Uh, other than for Alabama to travel to Hawaii. But, anyway, I've got, yeah, I've got LSU here. It, it all depends on the quarterback play. Um... I'm sorry, but if Kentucky beats Louisville, I see. I'm saying if the Kentucky defense holds them in check and causes chaos, this, this may be one of the most. I wonder what Heisman winner has lost the most games. We'll get our intern on that and get back to you next week. How many did they lose? Was it three or four? I believe they've lost three up to this point. Well, I know Robert Griffin lost three, but he lost to better teams, and he had huge upsets that altered college football. Didn't Robert Griffin III beat Texas that year? It was Oklahoma. Remember Oklahoma came into the season ranked that's number right, one? That's right, that's right. Landry Jones, they had a DeMarco. Was, I don't remember if Murray was there, but they had a very good – they had a Ryan Broyles on that team. Very good team. It was a very talented team, and that was kind of his – yeah. Yeah, the yeah, that was his Cardinals moment. are 9-3, and three, LSU is 7-4, and four, and you and I are both taking the Tigers. I I, I am, because I love I, – that's still a good defense. R.I.P. Mike. R.I.P. Mike. That's pretty much it for Bulls, right, Brick? I mean, that's just it. That's just no. That's not it. Wake up, Brick. We got the playoffs. The playoffs? We're talking about playoffs. Fiesta Bowl, my friend. Clemson versus Ohio State. Intriguing matchup, if you will. Two experienced quarterbacks. Both of them trying to leave their legacy, leave their mark on their programs. And talking that wet. Both of them talking that wet. Actually, I think it was the Clemson safety that talked that wet. But there's wet being spoken. Deshaun Watson said he was the best player in the NCAA. He did. Don't forget that. Brick. 
I don't think Mr. Barrett takes too kindly to that sentence. I don't think Urban Meyer takes too kindly to that sentence. I'm not sure Patrick Norwood takes too kindly to that sentence. Brick, who you got in this game, my friend? I have got Ohio State. Um, this is so hard to do because I'm going to keep teetering in my head as I talk about it. Well, but that's why we're professionals. I have been um, very pleasantly surprised, or I guess I kind of thought I put them in my playoff originally, but um, by Ohio State as a team. I have been sorely disappointed by JT Barrett, my Heisman pick. Very underwhelmed. He regre- he regressed. Uh, Tom Herman is what made him great. He was okay last year. He was a little bit worse this year. Um, the team around it, they just won the games they needed to win this year. They lost the Michigan State game. Different season, but they're about the same. They're about, in my eyes, what they were last year. A little bit younger. Um, last year's team, I think, was probably the most talented in college football, but the most talented team doesn't always win. Alabama had more heart and won it all. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. I've got uh, Ohio State simply because even with all that underwhelmed by JT Barrett, and I don't think they're as good as they were last year, I'm still way more underwhelmed by Clemson. I just feel like Clemson FSU'd their way into this playoffs like FSU did in 2014. I think that, just, I think that Clemson's the least impressive playoff team by far. I do too. I uh, do too. I, I think that really you look at the game that they lost. You look at all the other games this season that they probably could and should have lost. And I'm just not impressed. Am I impressed with Deshaun Watson? No, not really. I feel like he was better last season. He was. He had. He was better with the ball in his hands. He didn't turn the ball over as much. He was more dynamic on his feet. Um, JT Barrett was more effective last year too. Um, Wayne Gallman was better last season. Mm. Uh, there's all these the guys. The entire front seven on Clemson. The only the only thing on Clemson that's better this season is their wide receivers. Their wide receivers are pretty dope. But um, no, it's just that it's. It's two teams that aren't quite as good as I wanted them to be, but they're in the playoffs, and they're in the playoffs for good reason. I'm not saying Clemson doesn't deserve to be here. The playoff is essentially set up to put four different conferences in. Right. you got to leave out the Big 12, which just means, you know, Clemson's going to be in because they are they are the best in the ACC. Um, right. But if we were going by the best four teams in the country, I think we would have had Alabama, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. Or you know Washington and Michigan. Yeah, I'm not sure I include Penn State in there. You know, I just don't think Clemson's one of the best four teams. I think they're the one of the best eight teams. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So I've got Ohio State uh, by ten. I've got it by thirty-one twenty-one is what my score was that I think I had. I'm gonna go forty-one thirty-one. Forty-one, thirty-one. I, I like it. I like it. Uh, Deshaun Watson can't throw interceptions. If, if Clemson wants to win, he cannot turn the ball over. And Ohio State's got some good players in that secondary. Man, they recruit they as well right now as Alabama. They do, including the best name for possibly the best safety in the country now that Eddie Jackson's down. Malik Hooker. Got him. He's good, man. Throwing good player. Fire. All right, that's it for our national. Who do you stage. want to win? Who would you want to win this game? Because as Which we, game? you know, Alabama fans, 
we are talking the Fiesta Bowl as Alabama. I would, fans I would love to see. I would love to see a rematch. I'm the same way. Mainly because I, I think it would go really well for Alabama. Alabama, Nick Saban has exercised every demon that people have brought up. The only one that's still on the list is the Ohio State Urban Meyer. That's the that's the demon. That's the one. He exercised the kick six demon. He exercised the Gene Chizik demon. LSU. The Gus Malzahn demon. The Florida Urban Meyer demon. Uh, the LSU game of the century demon. That demon. Actually, he did not exercise the Steven Garcia demon. I take that back. Well, I'm, I'm kidding. How that can one didn't you? count. Not really. But you know what I mean. The major ones that people might bring up. If he gets that win over the – you know, I don't really care, though. You know, I just want – I want a championship. I, yeah. I, and you I, know, Alabama deserves one more than any team. I think <laughs> I think it's time to shift our discussion to Alabama. Uh, yeah, we're going to go over there. Let's let's get into this. Let's let's dive in. Let's dive Start in. with the game preview, I'm thinking. This game is huge. And I, I, I'm hesitant to say that this is Alabama's biggest game – since the 2009 Florida game. Why is why would you say that? Here's why. If Alabama wins this game in the Georgia Dome, makes it to the national championship, even then, even if they lose in the national championship, I still think they have an argument of being the greatest college football team of all time. And okay. I, I hate saying crap like that i hate it because it makes me sound like a homer and it makes me sound dumb but when you think of this team everybody thinks of the defense the defense is putting up ridiculous numbers that people advanced statisticians are saying you know what this is the best defense to play college football if they went out if you look at the offense by the numbers they're first or second in the sec in almost every single category and they're in the top, I don't know, 25, 30 in the nation in every category as well. They have the SEC Offensive Player of the Year, a wide receiver that is underperformed and is still considered one of the highly most talented wide receivers in the nation, a running back core that is average compared to all the others that have come before it, and yet, despite all of that, this team is putting up ridiculous numbers. And I'm trying to think of a game, the last game that I really thought, crap, I'm not sure if this team can do it. And it, it's Ole Miss. Yeah. Think of it another college football 20, team where you what, hit the third game of the season. And after that third game of the season, you just weren't worried anymore. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm completely with you. So I think, and I, this I team is in the same breath. We'll have to see what they do in the NFL. But it's in the same breath currently as the 2002 Hurricanes, the uh, or 2001, 2002 Hurricanes, the 95 Huskers. Um, 89 Hurricanes. Stuff like that. 92 um, the, Alabama. I mean, 2011 Alabama and LSU. And LSU, yes. Uh, I, I'm going to be hesitant to say it's the biggest game. It's just kind of hard for me to buy into, like, after all the success, you know, that it that there's still the biggest game out there, considering all the ones that helped sustain it. I think if Alabama loses this game, it's not going to hurt anything in their future. 
Everything's going to I don't think it'll exactly hurt anything the in the future, but I think it really hurts what the season has been. Yeah, it hurts the leg. You know, it's if we don't finish the job, it'll be it's it's the Warriors. The Warriors went seventy three yeah. and nine, didn't close it out. No one will remember that. Nobody nobody remembers the undefeated New England Patriots the way they should because they didn't finish it. Nobody's going to remember the two thousand fifteen uh, Golden State Warriors because they didn't finish it. I would hate for this team to be seen that way. Yes, that would stink to think, oh my goodness, this all season long, is this the best team Saban's had? Is this the best team Saban's had? The, the Alabama fatigue is at an all-time high. It's surpassed to a point now where it's a joke. It no longer just pisses people off. People are like, well, what, what can you do? I, I welcome our new Alabama overlords. Right. It's just, okay, well, yeah, that's, that's the world we live in. Trump's president, Alabama's still winning, and this is the this is this is life now. Yeah. Yeah. I. But. You know, so I, I hadn't thought of it that way yet. I'm glad you said it that way. I had it, not thought of it as this team being the one that didn't finish the job. Yeah. Well, because I I honestly don't see the 2014 team that way. A lot of fans do. A lot of fans see the uh, Blake Sims led Alabama team as the team that didn't close it out. I don't. Alabama wasn't the best team far and away that year like we are this year. We were top one, two, three team in the nation that year. Um, but we just got beaten by a team on the rise. I just and think, we had a young team with right. the running back. I think back for the scope of the dynasty, this is this, – this takes Saban from being one of the best to, okay, modern coaches, modern being. So you're saying this, this immortalizes yes. this run. This, this takes the four championships in seven years, makes it five and eight, and immortalizes it up there with the best This solidifies the tweet that I saw last year that said, yes, Alabama's dynasty is dead. Long live the empire. Yeah. So this takes it from, holy cow, they're good, to this can't be touched again. Yes. Stratosphere. That's interesting, and I like that. And that's and exciting I hate to, to say that. I hate to talk that way because it's not done yet, and I'm a superstitious guy. But I'm a practical guy. Yeah. Um, that's a joke. Uh, I and I also I, I like thinking of things in that scale. You and I grew up in a time where Michael Jordan was great, where the Marlins were okay for a season, <laughs> where the Warriors blew a three-one lead, and where the Braves had the greatest pitching rotation to ever play baseball. And I want to see those things again. God forbid I forget Gretzky. Granted, he was at the end of his career when you and I were just kids, but so was Jordan. Jordan I guess if they win this year, if they win this year, who can argue a different college football dynasty? Really? Because you can still throw in the 80s Oklahoma ones, and you can throw in what uh, Nebraska did in the 90s, uh, and they won a bunch of games, although could, I think Alabama surpassed that one You could throw in now. those 1940s Army teams, but that's kind of unfair since now. I think yeah, everybody had thing. to play for them. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't already, because I'm biased and you're biased, I think you and I have this – We've seen Saban's statue. We've seen the number of years around it. We've gone down the Walk of Champions. You and I walk down the Walk of Champions to class every day. Think about that for a second. You and I know just the magnitude of this dynasty. I think this seals it. I really, really do. But they got to take care of business. And that's so we'll why talk about the actual game now. Yeah, I'm, I, I, you put it in a different light in the way that it immortalizes everything. Uh, could you, man... The coverage they'll get on ESPN during the offseason, holy cow. Yeah. People hate it. 
But anyway, so we'll talk about the actual game, the game that's going to be um, in uh, two days, well, I guess one day from now, essentially. But um, so let's, we're let's talking... Go to, so let's go to some matchups. Yes. What are your ma- What's your matchup to look for? My big one is um, with, with both teams having a month now to prepare, right? This is unlike any game. We, this is always the game that's unlike any of the other ones this season because it's the month to prepare a game. Washington is going to expect Alabama to run the ball. Right. I think they're going to expect us to come out and try to solidify that with Hertz and Harris and Jacobs. Get the run game, get the, the dumping passing game, which is essentially a run when we do that, although we hate it. Um, Pop pass, yep. But they're going to try to shut that down, which is they're going, their game plan. Everybody's game plan has been force Jalen Hurts to beat us with his arm. He's yeah. done it to some teams. He do- hasn't to some others. And then our defense has won games for us from that point on. Um, they want to get themselves in that situation. So I'm very interested to see. This maybe I- I'm going to go this is probably the second best secondary he's played this year, but the most disruptive. Um, people like to talk about Alabama's defense. Washington's is good, very good. Yeah. They're number 11 in the country in yards allowed. Um, their secondary is number six in, inter- in, in interceptions, and a lot of them have gone for touchdowns. A, I wouldn't be surprised if there's classic Pac-12 defense. They're they're good. They're very they're very they're uh, something like 20th, 21st in passing yards allowed. That's top 15 percent in the country. That's um, and then their rushing defense is number 20. Good defense. Not going to be an easy day. This isn't going to be, you know, Alabama playing. Um, well, shoot, I guess I could can't say really Michigan State. Their defense is good last year too. Right. I see. It's, here's my thing. I'm going. I'm going to say this. I think Alabama to win this game needs to pound the ball at the middle because I don't think working it out wide is going to work against this defensive backfield. No, they're they're. Very disruptive. They they knock the ball loose. They're they're good. They're quick. They're that's their strength that a lot of people don't realize is their opportunistic defense. Yeah, and that scares me against a true freshman quarterback and what we know Jalen Hurts can be and what he hasn't been and what he should be and what he won't be and what he will be and all that stuff. Right. Um. Obviously, on the other side of the ball, it's the same story, right? Yes. Yeah, I see on the other side of the ball I'm going Browning versus the front seven. Because he's got to beat him with his mind. He if 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 Browning can find a way to get rid of the ball quick enough or Washington can give Browning enough time, which I don't think is possible for that offensive line which looks slow, looks like they're blocking him molasses at times. But if they can do those two things, I can see Jake Browning picking apart this Alabama defense backfield. He's gonna have it, to, but I think he's a, he's a statue. He's a statue. He is going to have to do um, Peyton Manning things, Tom Brady things. Yes, he's gonna have to be in the zone. Like I, I don't said, know what he needs to eat for breakfast. Maybe it's a banana. Maybe it's oatmeal. But whatever he does, he needs to do everything right in this game. Yes, pick apart the defense. That is that's their chance. That's their chance. Our weak if and I hate to say weak point because. This defense is so thorough and good, but if there is a spot that you've got to look at and go, all right, this is what we have to 
try to beat. It is the secondary. That has been the, at times, the worst part of the defense. Not the line, not the linebackers. It's been the secondary. Corners specifically, not safeties. So, on top, just piling on top of your Browning, I think he's going to have to really connect with John Ross. I don't know how familiar you are with him. He's very good. He'll he's a first round talent he's in the draft. Extremely uh, talented. Nick Saban said he is the best receiver production wise we faced this year. And Meaning he's a he great. Gets isn't yards. he the return guy too? He's awesome. He's he is Christian Kirk with the better quarterback. Um, and I think Ross is going to need to go up against Marlon Humphrey. They're just going to have to go right at Humphrey. Humphrey's been susceptible to that. Look back at the Arkansas game this year. Brandon Allen beat him a good bit with his arm. Um, They're just going to have to go right at him. John Ross is going to have to take on Humphrey head-on and go, hey, I'm going to beat you all day, and I'm going to get... I'm going to say he needs 150 yards or more and a score or two for them to to sniff a, a win. So what do you think about bringing someone like Brandon Averett into the game full-time, in every package, doubling up with Ronnie Harrison, playing more of a 3-4. More of a as long as we're getting to the quarterback, I don't, I, don't know, I don't care what we're running. I mean, If I, Tim Williams is getting there and, and Ryan Anderson's setting the edge and um, Jared Allen's hitting the other side. Jonathan Allen. I always say Jared. You and I always do that. No, we both do it. It's fine. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, like I said, and you brought up a good name, I think, that Browning's got to play a sort of Tom Brady game. Short, intermediate passes. When you get a chance, go for the 20-yard post route. And he's that good. He is a good – he's, he's a very good quarterback. He's great. But um, I, I, I he's think... been shaky in, other, in some big games. He was very shaky against USC. Didn't look but... fantastic in the Pac-12 championship. No, he didn't. But when he turns it on, he turns it on. That's why I said he's got to do everything he's a winner, right. Man. He's had games where he's done almost everything right. He's going to have to be on his game. He's a winner. He's a winner. So I guess we kind of answered our own question, but just in a more succinct way, how does Washington win this game? Establishing a good air attack. Yep. Get us on our toes early. Score early. Get us on our toes. Take us out of our game. Yep. Score. You've got to force turnovers. You have to force turnovers. Whether it's creative blitz packages where it's dropping everybody back and waiting for Hurts to make a mistake, you've got to force turnovers. Got to do it. Ole Miss almost did. Get us on our heels. Sometimes Alabama, I can admit, does not respond super well to things. Right. Right off the bat. And that's why they have to steamroll their way back, and we're like, oh, my goodness, you know, butthole clench. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, if we're going to ask it that way, why does Alabama win this game? Because they've been here before, A, and B, they know they're better. Confidence goes a long way in college football. And I just think that this Alabama team knows, knows the potential it has. And I think the pitfall of other Alabama teams in this spot was we're so good that we don't need to, we don't need to focus. We don't really, you know, we're Alabama, we're going to be fine, and there's They're no focused. prep. There's a lot of complacency. Jonathan Allen said it today. We hate losing more than we like winning. Yeah. That's what he said. Today was media day. This morning was media day. Um, I'm going to say they win because Jake Browning's a statue. He's not mobile. That's not going to be good enough. That simple fact is why I'm not 
super afraid of this team compared to the other two. Now, I'm not going to do that, though, because I was not afraid of Cardale Jones. I thought we would wallop their third-string quarterback. I thought we would walk into the national championship and face either FSU or Oregon two years ago. Neither of us were afraid of Steven Garcia, either. Neither of us were afraid of Steven Garcia. Or you know, I was Wallace. at my cockiest. I was at my cockiest before we were going to play Ohio State. I was making plans for the national championship. So I will never, ever do that again. But at the same time, I don't think Jake Browning has the tools to beat this defense. We can come out and we can play it, lay an egg on offense again. I still think we win. We've laid eggs on offense on multiple occasions this year. It hasn't been sustained for four quarters. At some point, our offense has always figured it out, even if it was 10 minutes left in the game against LSU. Right. And I could see this Alabama team coming out a little flat, too. I expect them to, because we don't come out fast. This is not a fast team out of the gate. Never has been. We are a team that likes to feel the only The only big game where I've seen Alabama come fast out of the gate is against Notre Dame in the national championship when there was just a just a whooping you know unless we're playing Kent State yeah but like we this is a team Nick Saban's a coach that likes to kind of feel out his competition see what he's got first and Lane Kiffin's honestly that kind of offensive coordinator too yeah so you got your score prediction because I just mentioned Lane Kiffin which brings us to our next topic so let's get the score prediction score prediction for this game I've got Alabama 34 Washington I type 17 I'm gonna go 14 34 14 Alabama I'm going 35. That's, what, seven touchdowns? No, that's 49. What am I doing? That's five touchdowns. Five touchdowns. Um, No field goals. But I don't don't think Browning puts up a ton against us. I've got 35-10. But it's not as embarrassing of a 35-10 as what Michigan State did last year. I agree. I agree. I think think Washington puts up a better fight than Michigan State did. It's hard not to. Lest we forget, though. That was a close game after the first quarter, scoreless even. Uh, it was scoreless with six minutes left in the first half. Yeah. And then Cyrus Jones busted the doors off it. He does that. He did it twice in that game. I miss him. I miss Cyrus. Other items of interest. Lane Kiffin to FAU. Brick, what are your thoughts? I think we're kind of interested in that. We haven't talked about it much on this podcast. Good riddance. Farewell. No. The, I'm no, not no, going to no, be. No, 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 no. Good luck. Uh, let's see, recruiting against Jimbo Fisher, Jim McElwain, and Charlie Strong. While you're yeah, at I FAU. I don't think he'll be, FAU doesn't really recruit against those schools. They just hope to scoop up someone, something someone missed. The problem is these schools, these coaches don't miss a ton in Florida. FAU's the school where you go, dang it, man, I was really hoping for that Miami or FSU or USF offer. I was really hoping for it. Guess I got to go to FAU. Right. Hang out with the old folks. No, but I'm not going to be the guy that says good riddance to Lane Kiffin. Because, honestly, I mean, what? He's in his third straight playoff. I just think his time was up. You know, I don't think Lane Kiffin went to FAU because he wanted... If he, I think if the option to come back was there, he would have been back for another season. I think he was done. I think he kind of overstayed his welcome. I think what happened was Nick Saban brought him in for a very specific reason. Yeah. Set up a culture, set up an offense, set up an offensive identity. It's harder to set up an identity than people think. You don't just bring in a coach. So we brought in the identity. Now that's what our offense is. We've got our quarterback for the next three years. we got all the stuff, and now we run and have the athletes 
to do the spread offense that Nick Saban wants. Now Nick Saban's saying, bye-bye. You were kind of a headache. You are uh, not worth it anymore. I appreciate what you've done, but now we've got in Sarkeesian. It's my attitude as well. Run the damn ball more. Farewell. Let me now kind of start putting my, you know, puppetry into this offense a little bit more. You can be gone, and, you know, Sarkeesian has to listen to me. And I, I think everybody saw that hire coming. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody surprised by that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Sarkeesian does. I hope that his life has gotten better and gotten to a place where he feels like he's capable of taking this job and doing well. Yeah, I'm really mad that the rumors that popped up that he'd relapsed again that were completely unfounded came out and just kind of made him sound. I hadn't even heard that, but I'm not surprised. Oh, they popped up. back As soon as it was kind of obvious that Lane Kiffin wasn't going to be there, then obviously everybody thought Sarkeesian, and then some people on the internet wanted to sound smart and go, I heard he relapsed. They're going to have to look elsewhere. People just trying to make stories, man. Um, That's all no, that is. I'm very excited for Sarkeesian. Yeah. I love what, like he, I said, I I love I hope... what he did. At, he was great at Washington. He was Jake Locker's coach, was he not? He's He's a quarterback whisperer. Lane Kiffin's a good quarterback coach, but at the same time, he kind of didn't get Matt Barkley to where he could have been. Um, but and he did, you know, he. I'm, okay, that was kind of unfair because he did work wonders the last three years with our, uh, um, you know, hodgepodge of quarterbacks that we've had. But yeah, um, anyone who can yeah, make I mean, Jay Coker a national champion deserves a war medal. But no, there's something to be said about a coach that gets somebody like Jake Locker to go in the first round. Don't hold that against him that he wasn't good in the NFL. A lot of people do that to Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher got. Now, Jameis Winston, who he's probably going to be pretty good for a little while. I don't know if he'll ever be great. Um, but Jameis Winston, Christian Ponder, and um, E.J. Manuel, and looking like it the next two years, DeAndre Francois, but his last three full-time multi-year starters right. have all been first-rounders. That's a great quarterback coach. Sarkeesian's the same way. You don't just get Jake Locker to the top ten without being a good quarterback coach. You know what I mean? I agree. Let's move on. Uh, talk about the Heisman a little bit, whatever. Lamar Jackson won. I don't think you and I are really that interested in it. It's, it's kind of, I called it weak, but correct. Yeah. Going into championship weekend, I said, he's still the front runner, even though he lost to Kentucky. The way he loses is if someone comes out and really wows us. I thought it could have been Westbrook, who I really liked going into it. He was great in the first quarter. He had 114 yards in the first quarter and I was, my eyes were open. I was woke. But he hurt himself and got a concussion and couldn't play anymore. So at that point, you know, uh, Mayfield didn't do much after that. You didn't see too much out of uh, who else was in there. Uh, Deshaun Watson didn't really have a great game. They really struggled against, I think it was Virginia Tech. And so it just kind of went to Jackson by default. Right. You know, he was good. It was great. He was amazing. He's the youngest ever to win it now. He was incredible and dynamic, but he just wasn't. And I guess he technically was the most outstanding player in the country, but I just think it was a very weak season for it. He didn't, yeah, he didn't throw the knockout punch that we all wanted to see. Yeah. He didn't have, I mean, he beat FSU and that was big, but beating that team and that defense without their best players at that time in like week five is not something that still sticks out to me. Beating a team that ended up with three losses anyway. Right. Uh, But it's fine. He'll be fine. It's, it is what it is, and he'll come in as one of the favorites next year. Uh, 
we talked about Ruben Foster, Jonathan Allen winning uh, the, what is it, the Nagurski, correct? Um, he is the most decorated player in yeah, Alabama history. Say, as well as an entire uh, footlocker worth of awards. But think about that. Out of all the defensive players, not just Saban, but every coach had, he's number one in awards one. It's well earned, and I think he is a great uh, sort of exhibit A to players that come back for a season after looking up and realizing that they can probably get a little bit more money if they stay a season. Yes, he would have been about a twenty to thirty range last, thirty-five range last year in the draft. Now, he's top three, top five now. Now he's easy. There's a lot of people projecting him to go number one overall. Number one, that'd be awesome. Although I'd hate to see him have to go to the Browns, but right. I'd still like to see a Bama player finally go number one in the draft. It'd be nice to see something go right for Alabama for one. Yeah, it's just really it's been t- it's been a tough couple it's years. Just the underdogs. Uh, Hertz wins the SEC Offensive Player of the Year, as we mentioned. Good for him, but like you That's said, right. with Jackson winning the Heisman, weak but correct. I called it weak but correct. SEC. It really shows how down the SEC was on offense across the board. Yeah, Alabama was good on offense. The best team probably in the. I think. The, not, I think had Nick Fitzgerald started with a little more steam, it could have easily gone to him. Yeah, had they not lost all those early games, he was, right. That's uh, what I had, mean. Had, he didn't start very hot. If he starts hot, had, I think he wins that award. I think Chad Kelly would have run away with this award had his defense not let him down in like two extra games. Yeah, he was. I think he was the best player on offense in the SEC. It's just. You forget because his defense was so atrocious, and they just kept losing, not because of Kelly, but because of the defense. And sometimes Kelly would throw a pick, but I, th- I do think Kelly was the best talent. Um, people now have forgotten about him because he's hurt. But anyway, it's good. You know, it's really cool to have a true freshman quarterback. I mean, that's that looks good for your future, to have your right. true freshman quarterback win the SEC Offensive Player of the Year, which also gives Alabama the last three. would go into Derek Carr. Der- Derek Carr. Derrick Henry and uh, Amari Cooper. Right. Right. Oh, I I think it's huge. I think it's really good for his confidence. I think it's really good for Alabama's recruiting. Um, and I, I kind of hope that Blake Barnett's maybe kicking himself a little bit. I know he's, he's probably not, but I think he should. He's at Arizona State now. Is he? Yes. He, uh, he committed, if you want to call that, out of Juco to Arizona State. Now, I think he still does have to sit the first four games. So it's tricky. Like, I just don't – again, we're going back to the benefits of doing this. Is, is Arizona State going to yank their starter to put in Barnett in week five next year? Uh, no. I mean, I wouldn't. What, what message because, does that send to your starter? I mean, we all know how good Will Greer was, but West Virginia didn't do that this year for Will Greer. Nope. You know, it's just – I don't know. I, we'll I, see. It, it, yeah, we will see. But I just, I, I don't know. I don't want to. Like I said, don't give up on your team. So <laughs> Man, remember, that recruiting class, the big, the big two things that Alabama, the players that, and we wanted to talk about who was going to be better from that class: Blake Barnett and Ricky Town. Ricky Town. Remember Hill? He was the one Ricky that was committed to Alabama, Town. and then he decommitted, oh, went man. to USC, was such a sourpuss that he wasn't starting as a true freshman that he left went to Arkansas where he was supposed to be a shoo-in and gets beat out by the other recent quarterback's younger brother. Yes. Ricky Town. Ricky Town. All right, let's let's end this uh, sort of on a high, high-ish high note. Army-Navy game was awesome. I'm obviously I'm a, I'm a really huge, good. 
huge Navy fan, so it was kind of a bummer to see Navy lose that game. However, it was great to see Army win one uh, for the first time in 14 years. And look out for that Army program. I'm not saying they're winning national championships. I'm just saying they're on the rise. I think this Army-Navy rivalry is going to be a back-and-forth sort of deal for the next five or six years. I'm really excited to see that. But the highlight for me from this game, other than seeing all the Army cadets running on the field, uh, seeing Army win it for the first time in 14 years, was Vern's sign-off. I thought it was excellent. I, it was I very he, well he done. thanked the people he wanted to thank. He got the right type of emotional. I know it was tough for him to say it, uh, but, you know, I, I know he's messed up a lot, and I know that people rip on him all the time, a lot of the time because it's the cool thing to do, and that's what everybody likes doing is ripping on Vern and Gary. I dislike Gary a lot. I really don't mind Vern. Vern does a lot. Go back and watch the – I think it's whatever master's clip it is with Jack Nicholas. I think it's 84. I mean, my, Vern's a legend. My people at Golf I- Channel would kill me for not knowing that, but – Honestly, I mean, it's look at all the things he's called, all the March Madnesses, all the great SEC, not only games, but players that he's called. Tim Tebow, Cam Newton, Mark Ingram, Trent Richardson, Amari Cooper, Julio Jones, like all these players that he's had an influence on, that he's watched play, all the things he's seen. He's great. I'm going to miss him. So, Brick. To end the podcast tonight, tell me your favorite Uncle Vern memory or story. Well, I will say I I like Vern. I enjoy him. Now, like anybody, uh, toward the end of his career, he made tiny little mistakes and brain lapses. But I've said it on this podcast, so I won't say too much. He is the one of, if not the best in the business, at subtly telling you a story during a football game and not overplaying his hand on it, but telling you and reminding you of things that happened. You know, in the third quarter, he'll look back to that thing that happened with eight minutes to go in the second quarter and tell you why it's relevant. He does that all the time. Gary steps on his toes all the time while he tries to do it. Right. He's very good at that. Um, if I'm going to go back to my favorite moment, it's I – mm, I very much enjoyed the 2012 SEC championship game. And not just because it was a great game. Um, I love the way he called it. Yeah. Toward the end, you know, the the excitement of him hitting Cooper. Uh, People forget that even after Cooper scored the essential game winner, Georgia, I thought they were going to win with about 30 seconds left because they were on our 20. Yeah. And they get down to the five. It just the way I, I can't remember any of his quotes, but he called it so masterfully. I wanted to say LSU that season, um, but honestly, I do think that that uh, Eli Gold had a much better call, and I prefer listening to that one. So yes. I can't say that's my favorite. I agree. But the SEC championship game, I thought he did a very very good job on. You know, it's funny. I I, I rip on the people who make fun of him, but my favorite Vern memory will always be in two thousand nine. He just he'd had just the worst day with names. Just the worst day with names. And Rolando McLean came through the A-gap and just obliterated this poor kid from, I don't know, Kentucky. Maybe it was the Tennessee game. I don't remember. And Vern, as he does, starts with this oh my interjection. Let's the crowd volume seep in a little bit. The camera pans down to show Rolando McLean 
doing Rolando McLean things like punching the ground and creating craters like he used to after plays. And he boasts Orlando McCain. <laughs> Not even close. And it's like midway through the season. Like this isn't like the first game. This is this is five or six games in where people are talking about Rolando being one of the best linebackers they've ever seen in the SEC. Just completely flubbed his name. And I'll never forget it. Because that was the moment, and I really didn't like Vern until then. And then I thought, you know what? What if there's a small part of him that every time he does that, he thinks, oh, God, I just did it again. And from that moment on, I just I, something switched. And it was like, you know what? It's all right. It's all right. Remember how he used to struggle with ha-ha Clinton Dix? Every time. My goodness, he couldn't get that one down. And then Which, uh, there a lot was of a couple can't. games where he just he just left off the ha-ha part. He just he was like, screw it, I'll just focus on Clinton Dix. Couldn't even get that right. Clinton, ha-ha, Dix, ha, Clinton, Dix, ha. And stuff like that, I don't know. It was it <laughs> Went was overboard bad. with it, but. I remember it. I remember how bad it was. But all that being said, like I said, gonna Ooh. miss Vern. 2013, you heard a lot of A.J. Manziel. Yes. Yes. But he was a legend. He is a legend. People don't realize how much of a legend and how respected he is. And it's not like he's, he's dying. You're going to hear him at the Masters. You'll hear him during March Madness. I mean, he's he'll be around. Yeah. It just won't be the same. Just won't. Can I give my happy parting thought? I really want to because I, I won't have this thought in my head next podcast. Sure. All right, so over Christmas, this is, has nothing to do with football, but I feel like this is an adult world kind of conversation. Um, this should be good. What? So it's just the stresses of life. You know, people go through their days. They get in a routine. You're about to get back into a routine after Christmas break. You're going to go to work. You're going to have a routine. You're going to have your thing. And essentially, people have like kind of a laundry list of stresses in their life. You know, exhibit A, exhibit B, thing A, B, C, D, E, of things that are on there. Most of them are very hard to get rid of. Um, and then you got the things that lift you up, that list. Some people's laundry list of stresses are higher. Some people's laundry list of the other stuff is higher. But it's all there. And you can usually name the things that are weighing you down on most days. And most of them persist for a while. Um, over the break, I asked my – essentially after I got married – you know, we did the whole thing. Get off, get off our this, get off our that. I went and made everything my own. My parents, you know, they don't pay for my Spotify anymore. And the big one was they made me get off their cell phone bill. So I go, I go to Verizon, get my own card or get my own phone, um, get my own bill. The world set up to where if you were on a line by yourself, you were getting screwed so bad. It's set up because they want you to build these family plans. And have more lines, more lines, more lines. I was pay. I've been paying 120 bucks a month for my phone for two gigs, and that's. I didn't realize it, but that was a bit. That was a stress. That was a stress in my life that I couldn't. It was just there. I couldn't help it. That's what I pay. That's. I, I'm sorry. I can't afford more than two gigs, but every time I and I, you know, I work in an industry where I have to use my phone a lot. And every month I'm going over, and I'm trying to think of ways where I won't go over. So I won't owe the extra 15, 20 bucks. Can't do it. So finally I go to my parents. I'm like, they just got unlimited data because they've got this AT&T DirecTV bundle plan. And I'm looking at them, and I go, I got to get on that. And I didn't want to ask them, but I was like, can I get back on your bill? I will pay. I will set it up so I pay you every month. But please, 
I know it's a burden. Let me back on. My dad was like, real cool about it. Let me on. My whole point of this is, I didn't realize it, but getting rid of that, just, just one thing off my list, just one. Now I pay half what I was paying, and I have unlimited data. And it's like, just one stress out of my life has completely up, uplifted me the last week. It is insane how much that meant. So what my point is, it doesn't have to be your phone. It can be anything. If you can find a way, think down, look down, and find a way to get rid of one stress, one little thing, even if you have to ask someone else for help, which you probably will. Say your pet is, you know, needs a medicine that you can't really afford, but you know in the back of your mind it needs it. Ask someone, hey, can you really help spot me for my pets? Anything. I'm just making up examples. But just get rid of that. I'm telling you, it is, I can't believe it. I'm not saying all my problems are solved, but just one little thing because of the, you know, the niceness of my parents to let me do that, the love they showed me to, to help lift a burden, it's, it's, an, it's crazy. That's, that's my happy parting thought. It's a good one, man. We're going to, I mean, you and I talked about it a little bit last night. Just got to kick the hell out of 2017. People keep complaining about this year. You know how you get over it? Just kill next year. And don't go into it in an internet meme way. New year, new me. Go into it with a real human attitude. Realize that 2017 is just a number made up by people. It doesn't mean anything. It's not The fact that it's now 2017 doesn't change the events that are going to unfold. Let it it represent a change for you. Start it. Start. Start the new year on December 31st. Start it today on December 30th if you have to, just so you're not locked down to the idea that it's a new year, a new number. Just forget that it's a new year. Just start kicking ass right now for because you, you're you and you need to. Damn right. Which this applies to me. I mean, I could do things and better. And that's so it. That's, that's where it. we need it in the podcast because that's perfect. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Facebook at Pat's Interference. That's P-A-T apostrophe S Interference. You can find us on Twitter at P-I underscore podcast or online at our website at patsinterference.com where you can find all of our episodes. We are on SoundCloud, iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Stitcher. Patrick, I just got a phone call. Just got a phone call that we're actually the number one played track and dance clubs at Club La Vila in Panama City Beach. Did you know that? I'd heard wind. I got wind. There's there's multiple multiple sources of my people saying that they've they've done dance remixes. That Kendrick Lamar has come and spit a couple bars over some of our podcasts that he's remixed. It's really getting out of hand, honestly, with the fan mail and the remixes and the mashups and everything we're doing. We're, we're kind of drowned. So if you could hold off on those for a couple months. Uh, but if you want to go to Club La Vila in Panama City Beach, uh, that's that's the place to go and hear a lot of Pats and fans. In all seriousness, we couldn't do this without you. Always been a dream of ours to do. Uh, good luck to Washington, to Ohio State, to Clemson, and of course to Alabama. And most importantly, Patrick, roll tide. Roll tide. <laughs>